We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Liar. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by co-host Nick Pilato. And as we move our way through the dead of the dead of the offseason, we wanted to get on some people in the industry working with the Giants, reporting on the Giants, who can give us a little bit of an outlook on how they see this 2021 season shaking out, things of that nature. I mean, listen, it's an exciting time to be a Giants fan. I believe that at this point, we've obviously had our skepticism in the past, but right now things are on the up and up. I feel like this roster is at its strongest it's been in a while. So today we actually have the luxury of having on Madeline Burke, who I'm sure all of you know, Giants postgame host, team reporter, and she does my favorite thing, which is Giants Training Camp Live, which everyone I know and talk to says is one of the best shows you can get on Giant from a Giants content standpoint during the offseason. So I wanted to introduce Madeline in now. Madeline, how are you doing with us? How are you doing today? Um, amazing. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the kind introduction. I'm I'm looking forward to getting back to training camp as well. I feel like it's, you know, creeping up a little bit and uh, I can't wait. Yeah, neither can we, Madeline. Neither can we. And we have to start. I want to uh, ask you your journey into sports media. How was that for you? Can you give a lot of people just maybe some a little bit of advice on how to break in? What did you do and how did you get to your position? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I was, you know, I was kind of fortunate in that I was kind of blissfully confident when I was in college that I was like, yeah, you know what, this is what I want to do. And I had a bit of tunnel vision going towards it. Um, You know, when I went into, I went to college at Arizona State, I graduated in 2009. And back then, you know, I had gone there with the intention of pursuing a journalism degree. I always wanted to write. But when I was in college, I actually had an opportunity. ESPN came to Arizona um, 
I went to Arizona State, they came to the school and they said, hey, we're looking for some people to help with production on Monday night football. You know, you've watched a Monday night football game, you see the camera guy running down the sideline, and then you see the guy behind him, like, over-undering the cable so that he doesn't trip. That's what they were looking to hire for. And I, as well as, like, 20,000 other students, just <laughs> sent in my resume and was like, oh, my gosh, please pick me. Um so then, you know, a few days later, I got an email back that was like, you know, thank you for your submission, but, um, you know, we've picked the people that we're going to use, and it's not you. So, I mean, you know, they worded it, obviously, nicer than that. And so I um, I reached out, and I said, thank you so much for considering, you know, the journalism school as a resource, and if you guys are in the area in the future, if any other opportunities arise, um, I would love to be considered. And so I got a call the next day from the guy, Joel Edwards, who I had sent that email to, and he said, listen, I've never been thanked for rejecting someone before. And to be honest, you were on the short list. It was just a numbers thing. But instead of being that person who over under cables on the sideline, do you want to come in and be an office PA and a runner for us for Monday Night Football? I said, absolutely. So I worked with ESPN for three days, helping talent get to and from set, going to get snacks for everyone, and just observing how the whole production is put on. And, you know, this is my sophomore year of college, and it was also a really epic game. It was that Bears-Cardinals game that Devin Hester returned. Bears won with no offensive touchdowns. Denny Green had that epic meltdown at the podium afterwards. And I'm standing there. The Bears are who we thought they were. You want to crown them? Crown them. And I'm just like... Yeah, this is what I want to do. Like, this is this is my career path, and I need to be around this kind of energy. And so from that point on, I was really, like, I knew I wanted to do not just journalism, but sports journalism, because sports just has, there's just a passion there that is incomparable. Um, and, I, and I just love being around it. And plus, you know, growing up, an only, my dad's only child, you know, that was our way of bonding, too, watching, you know, NFL games on Sunday, watching NBA playoffs. And so... Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that kind of drew me, and I, you know, from that experience, I parlayed that into working production for the Super Bowl, which was also in Arizona that year, which I'm sure you guys will remember. Uh, David Tyree made a pretty great catch in that game, uh, and the Giants went on and won the Super Bowl, and I, you know, I kept using those opportunities to say, hey, let me do more, and so long story long for people trying to break into the business, get in any opportunity you can, do a good job and just do good work and continue to um, kind of take any chance you can to learn more about the industry. Because even if you want to be on air or if you want to host a podcast or if you want to produce, there are so many other elements involved that the more you know about what's going on around you, the more of a team player you can be when you do get to the role that you want to have. Yeah, I think that's really an excellent breakdown and excellent advice, Madeline, because it's similar to kind of my journey and not exactly the same. But one thing you brought up that I think is so important for everybody listening in who wants to maybe break into the industry is you have to have that tunnel vision. You really have to have the passion for this. If you don't have the passion for this, it'll show up in your work. And the pro- and, and more importantly, there's so many people who do have a passion for this. Like you said, there's so many people who want to be around that energy. Like we've seen it with the Giants. We saw it last night even. I mean, that we're recording this yeah. now. On a Monday, this might drop a little bit later, but last night the Knicks had their first playoff game in what feels like forever. And yeah, the energy. 2013. Yes, yeah, 2013. And then the energy in that building, I know it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. 
uh, for all the Knicks fans listening in. But the energy in that building was just palpable. So I feel like you're right on there. But I did want to ask you also, Madeline, like what your connection to the to the Giants is. Did you grow up watching with your father the Giants specifically, or were you not? Were you a fan of another team? And kind of then you kind of worked your way into just working with the Giants. Do you have any connection before you joined the Giants team? So I grew up in LA, um, but both of my parents are from Minnesota. So my parents um, moved to LA. That's where I was born. And when I, you know, grew up, we didn't have a team. I mean, obviously there have been stints of having, you know, the Raiders, or the Rams, or what have you in L.A., but I, I grew up a Vikings fan. My dad put me in a Scott Studwell jersey as an infant, and from then on it was, you know, uh, skull all the way. Um, but, uh, you know, going through, um, you know, so I, and I, you know, I've always respected the Giants. I've had a lot of fan, friends who are Giants fans, and one of the things that whether or not you're a fan of the team, it's hard not to notice just the class of the organization, and just the, it's very much one of the top tier organizations in the NFL. So whether or not you're a fan of them, it's hard not to respect them. Um, and so I think that that's how I would summarize. I mean, absolutely grew up. Randy Moss was my favorite football player growing up um, and, you know, loved watching game. I mean, pretty much any game that was on on Sundays we would watch. Um, but I actually, you know, I got my start in basketball. Well, I don't know. I mean, long stories, all the long stories. I don't know how much time you guys have. But I got my start, actually, because when I came out of college in 2009, I moved home to L.A., as one does when you don't have a job fresh out of college. And I just started doing the job, hoping that someday someone would pay me to do it. So I would take my little camera out and go to events, and I'd go to, um, you know, a Baron Davis put on a kickball game, and I made a video and put it on YouTube or some uh, media day that I would get access to. And I was at Pac-10 at the time, media day one day, and I couldn't find the event. I found a man in a suit in the lobby, and I said, are you here for media day? And he said, yes. Uh, so we started walking together to try to find where the event was, and he asked me what I was doing, and I said, well, you know, I just graduated from college, I, you know, could shoot, edit, produce, so I'm just out here putting together packages and putting them on YouTube to continue to do the work so that when an opportunity comes for a job, I'm not rusty on skills, and, you know, I can continue to show people what I can do, and I said, what about you? And he said, oh, I'm Roy Hamilton. I'm a VP at Fox Sports. And I was like, oh, of course you are. Uh, and had I known that when I walked up to him, I would have never had the confidence to have a conversation. But, of course, um, you know, he brought me in. He said, hey, you want to, you know, do a highlight read audition just for practice or what have you. And when I did that at Fox for practice, I impressed them so much that they ended up offering me a role hosting a show called Running with the Pack, which was a Pack 10 again at the time magazine show um, where we would go to each campus and do a 30-minute magazine show about you know the football program, a woman's sport, a man on the street interviews with college students, all of that. And it was a blast. And from there, you know, I kind of would continue to introduce myself to people in NBA circles that I would know, and you know, set up coffee dates or what have you with anyone I could get in touch with just to get, you know, career advice or say, hey, you know what, I, I hope that we can know each other so that at one point when I'm, you know, working in this circle, I'm not just some random person, You, we have a relationship. And, um, you know, through that, you know, I met Raymond Ritter with the Warriors who kind of helped me cultivate the idea of, hey, I can, you know, deliver a finished product where, you know, how can I build this for a team? And he suggested I reach out to Joe Safety with the Clippers. So I did that. 
And he's like, listen, I love what you do. I want to find a way to use you. And again, this is back in like 2009 when not every team had a team reporter as they do now. So I said, hey, I can give you that finished product. We can put it on the website. He's like, okay, let's try it for a month. And I said, great. So a month turned into two months, turned into a full-time job, traveling with the team, um, and covering them from essentially Blake Griffin's rookie year through the Donald Sterling drama. And, you know, it was a really uh, incredible ride and being able to be that one-man band and deliver that finished product and – you know, it was a blast. And so then that that kind of grew. And, um, you know, when, when that came to an end, I got an opportunity in New York and with FanDuel uh, when they wanted to do some original content. That was back in 2015 when every time you'd turn on the TV and it was like FanDuel, DraftKings, promo code LAMP and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and then the attorney general in New York said, hey, this might be gambling. Uh, we're going to shut it down. So FanDuel was like, yeah, we're, thank you for moving to the most expensive city in the world and signing a year lease here, but uh, we're going to not use you anymore. <laughs> so I was, again, like kind of flailing, but I met um, Don Sperling, who is now my boss at the New York Giants, and he, you know, is incredibly talented. He used to work with NBA Entertainment, um, developed the original Inside Stuff and NBAE, and now uh, runs the um, – uh, television department essentially with the New York Giants and so he kind of took me in and hired me in 2016 and from then my role has grown each season to from you know just kind of digital and social to doing the post-game show doing some sideline stuff with WFAN during the season um, doing training camp live as you guys mentioned and so you know, I mean, the, the journey is long, and of course, I mean, as long of a story as that is, there's so many other twists and turns that it took, and so many people who want to get into this industry are going to look at that and say, oh, that's so linear, but it's not. There's so many ups and downs and so many moments that you think, should I go back to school and become a, a psychiatrist? Should I do something else with my life? And then you're kind of sucked back in because you're like, no, I just love this so much. And uh, and so that's how I ended up with the Giants in 2016 and have been there ever since. And I'm entering my sixth season covering the team. And uh, it's just such a great organization to be a part of. Yeah, that's an awesome story, Madeline. And I really think you mentioned a few other things that people can take away if they're really looking. And they're very, like we said, you have to be passionate about it. You have to have that tunnel vision. But if you do have that, you want to break into the industry. Following along the lines of some of the things that Madeline has done and other people have as well in the past, like have that intuition, do something on your own, come up with your own video that you can put on YouTube or social media channels and show off your skill set. Also, more importantly, you have to be able to network. You really do. Like, obviously, as you mentioned, Madeline, if you had known who that was at Fox, (laughs) you might have not had, you know, the courage to go up to him, but you did. And yeah what that led to and I think that similar break happened in my career I think for everyone else out there who wants to kind of break in feel reach out to people you may not hear back from everyone people are busy but the one if you miss on 20 of those shots if you hit one on those it could lead to something big and clearly you know it's not just the only the only avenue but it's a really good one so Madeline we want to talk a little bit Giants football with you as well and one of the things I, I mentioned before I I do love watching you and everybody, all every, you know, you got O'Hara, you got Fields, you got all the classic Giants, yourself, and as well as other team reporters on Training Camp Live. That's one of my favorite things to watch during the summer. It keeps Thank me up. You. No, it's really truly amazing. I really feel like you guys do an incredible job. It's the best show that MSG has out there in my for my money in my mind, and I'm I'm sticking by that. But since you're so close to Training Camp by doing that, is there anything that you kind of take away from that annual team building experience that might not stand out to fans because 
there's a lot of attention the media gives to training camp, and it's very specific in my mind. It's very not narrow focus, but it's what the fans want and expect every year. But from your standpoint, is there anything that you take away from just being there on the scene that may not stand out to fans, but it's important to kind of the Giants roster building and team culture? I mean, absolutely. And I think it's kind of one of the reasons, one of the main things that I love about this industry and this job that I do is, you know, so many fans look at this and they say, oh, they signed this player. Here's what his stats are. Here's, you know, how tall and how much he weighs and what his yardage was last season and what have you. But my favorite part of training camp is just the amount of time you get to spend with the players, the coaches, the staff, and get to know each other. It's really a team-building effort, not just for the players, but just for the whole uh, unit, the whole organization. And you get to understand who these guys are and develop relationships. Because during the regular season, you know, there's a lot more rigid, cyclical schedule. On Tuesdays, we do this. On Thursdays, we do that. Uh, you know, game days, we do this and what have you. But training camp is a lot looser. Um, there's a lot less pressure because everyone has kind of hit the reset button and across the league, you're all at, you know, O and O. Nobody. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning, nobody's losing, nobody's stressed out because their job's on the line. Everyone's coming into this season optimistic. The possibilities are endless, and it's just a really good vibe. And I think a lot of times, too, when you're out there on these, you know, warm summer days, standing on the football field, watching these guys kind of be loose, be themselves, um, it's a really great opportunity to get to know them as people, not just as athletes. And I think that that's one of the things that I love to do in my job is remind people out there, hey, yeah, this guy's an incredible athlete, but he's also a human who is a great human as well or who has feelings when you're getting on him for not delivering for your fantasy team last week or what have you. (laughs) The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. 
Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, the fantasy football aspect of it is probably brutal for a lot of the players. But Madeline, I wanted to ask you, there was a lot of discussion about how there was a noticeable difference in culture for the Giants in year one with Joe Judge. Is that something that you saw or witnessed uh, as opposed to the McAdoo and the Shermer years? Absolutely. I, um, you know, each of those coaches had their strengths and um, brought something to the organization. But one of the things that I admire about Joe Judge is he comes in and he is very much a football guy. He uh, is a no-nonsense football guy, but he's also approachable. And he's also somebody who you feel like um, cares. And it's a tough balance to strike for a head coach, right? When when the buck stops at you and you have to be the guy that says, hey, you're late for this meeting, you're not starting this week, I don't care if you're a first-round draft pick, that's a hard thing to do, but also say, hey, I have compassion for you and you can come talk to me when you have, you know, an issue or what have you. And I think the moment he really won me over was last year in training camp when the Giants were doing loose ball drills. And they had, I think Dalvin Tomlinson at the time had the hose going and guys were just diving in the mud for the loose ball. And then Joe Judge was like, all right, hold my clipboard. This is how it's done. And the head coach gets down into the mud and goes and, you know, and, and goes in for the loose ball drill. And I think the fact that he is so like, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do and, and kind of can let loose and can have fun, but also knows and understands when to pick his spots, right? So the players do still respect him. I think they still fear him in the right amount, but they also, uh, I think, appreciate him. And I feel like feel like he's got their best interest in mind, too. And one of the things that he said early on is, you know, I have to put the best 53 players out there. I have to put the best 11 men on the field at all times. And these guys in the locker room know who those best 11 men are. So we can't be making moves out of, you know, oh, well, this guy has a contract or this guy was a high draft pick. So we have to play. We have to put this team in the best position to win. And I think he makes his decisions accordingly to do that. And I think the players see that and respect that. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Madeline. I think a lot of me and Nick have discussed this a bunch in previous podcasts. A lot of what people think of as a play, quote unquote player coach, you would think, oh, someone like Joe Judge is not a player coach because he runs these intense practices, because he focuses on things like conditioning that, you know, maybe some other coaches in the new age NFL right now aren't focusing as much on. But I don't think that applies. I feel like the players coach moniker can be. Of our, you know, it can be used for a variety of different coaches. And I feel like, like you said, there are so many examples of ways that Judge has connected with the players from a personal level. And that's what I would consider to be a player's coach, somebody who can connect with each individual player, no matter where he's from, what his background, what he offers to the team, if he's a starter, if he's a bench, on a personal level. And I feel like he's just done an excellent job of that in his first season. And we'll see what happens yeah. now. A full well, 
And what I'll add to that, too, is, like, I, I think that the fact that he comes from a special teams background really helps him, right? Because when there's a roster that is as big as an NFL roster is, it's kind of hard, I mean, for anybody to keep straight who does what and who has what family member and what have you. But because he comes from that special teams background where it is his job to know each of these players and their strengths and on and off the field, he also kind of keeps that essence about him. And you'll see him at a practice walking around and, and making a point to have an individual moment with this guy or that guy and, you know, make sure to kind of touch base so that he's present as not just the head coach in the front of the meeting room, but also a guy who comes and says, hey, how's your, how's your day going or what's going on over here and, and shows that kind of personal connection as well. Yeah, I think a lot of that was on display last year with the Derek Dillon situation and also with Logan Ryan. He just showed that he cared about them and their families and their situations. So I, I totally – I think everybody listening to this podcast can totally see with Joe Judge how he comes off that way too. Just the Giants fan base and the Giants team in general just commands respect in a respectful manner, not in a I'm your coach, you have to respect me type of way. Absolutely. Yeah, madam. So this is, if I got my math right, and math was never my strong suit, but I feel like I'm <laughs> at this level of math. This will be your ninth season covering the Giants with the team, if that's correct. So my question, no. oh no, eighth? 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, this will be my sixth. Sorry, what? I had to literally, I literally just had to use my fingers just to confirm that, but yeah, no, this will be sixth. <laughs> I am embarrassed, and we may have to edit that out. I don't know what's going to happen with that clip. That may end up but, being... But you know what? You had the caveat that you're bad at math, and technically the sixth and the ninth, you could just be dyslexic with it. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going with. I'm just dyslexic. So anyway, my point was going to be, in all those years so far that you've covered the team, what would you say has been kind of your most rewarding experience working uh, for the Giants or maybe even in the industry as a whole? Man, you know, I think that this Giants organization, like I said, is is one that just kind of feels like a very classy family. You know, you walk into the building and, you know, you walk into the training center and right away on the left you see the case with the four Lombardi trophies. And you you can just kind of feel the way that the presence of the building, of the organization, of the way that – you know, members of the organization who have been there for decades carry themselves and and the weight that that Giants name holds. And I think it's really just such an honor to be associated with a franchise like that um, that puts, you know, certain weight into these these kind of priorities. The other thing, too, is, you know, I from a personal standpoint, I've loved just the opportunity that I've had to grow in my career and as a person in this role. You know, I mentioned before, you know, Don Sperling, my boss, brought me in and each year has put me in a position to grow and to succeed and to say, you know what, I'm going to push you here. I'm going to make you do better there. I'm going to have you do these training camp shows, but I want you to do this, that, and the other thing better. And he doesn't let me get away with mediocrity. He puts me in a position to say, okay, that was a good show. Let's do a better one next. And I respect that because I don't think, I don't think at any point in anyone's career they should be complacent with where they are. There's always room to grow. Um, and from a team standpoint, too, it's been really interesting to watch the evolution, right? I came in in 2016, and it was a team that went to the playoffs but lost to Green Bay in that first game. And then they kind of – things fell apart. And then watching the team uh, go through this rebuild, draft Saquon Barkley, um, draft some of these players that have slowly grown into their roles and watching – this organization go uh, kind of build back up from the ground up has been an interesting process to be involved in. Um, And, you know, we've had so many experiences from 
primetime games and regular season games to, you know, we had a training camp in Detroit that was such a unique experience when we had a week of practice with the Lions and just being a part of this machine of the NFL and the New York football giants is such a unique experience that I don't take for granted. And it's, you know, and I've had the opportunity to work with some incredible legends, Carl Banks, who should be in the Hall of Fame. I cannot say it any louder. That man, Famous 58, needs to go to Canton. And I get it's hard because, you know, there are so many members in that, you know, Giants linebacking core that are so talented. Um, But working with guys like Carl Banks and uh, Howard Cross and Bob Papa, who is a consummate professional, and Paul Dettino, who I swear is an almanac of Giants information. If you asked him who was on the field at the beginning of the third quarter in the Week 7 game of 1992, I bet he could tell you. And (laughs) uh, it's just an incredible amount of passion for the organization that is in the building. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't say, I can't speak highly enough about it. No, I think you're – so fans will hear this and they'll be like, we've heard this narrative before, but you're so right, Madam. I once had the opportunity to actually meet with Don. We were discussing just – it was earlier in my career. We were just kind of a little meet and greet, nothing more than that. But I had a chance to walk through that building, and you're right. Like, you feel that – the minute you walk in, you see that trophy case on your right, and then you kind of walk into the cafeteria. There's a lot of players gathering around. And it really feels like a whole family feel there. And Everybody says that, and, you know, you have these free agents who walk through the door and then end up not walking out. They end up signing that contract. And, you know, ultimately at times, yeah, maybe it's because they got the biggest offer from the Giants. But there have been times in the past where there have been comparable offers for these free agents, and they've decided to stick with the Giants because what they get, what they feel like they're going to get from that Giants organization is a little bit different than they might feel like they've got from another organization or they had from the team that drafted them. So I think, like, everything you said is actually spot on from all my experiences, and it really is a cool feeling because I know that, you know, it hasn't been great for the Giants in recent years. Like you mentioned, they had to go through this entire rebuild after, you know, that playoff season, and it's still taking a little bit of time. But uh, when it's when it's good, there's there's nothing better, I think, than, you know, good Giants football. Well, and, and to your point, too, is even though they've had their struggles in these recent years and the record on the field isn't exactly what uh, we want to see, This is an organization that is not complacent with losing. This is an organization that expects to be a winning organization and expects to be in the top tier of the NFL. And I think, you know, it's understandable that any organization is going to go through periods of, you know, uh, reconstruction and rebuilding and struggles. But the thing that doesn't leave the building or that doesn't kind of take the air out of the balloon entirely is that this organization expects to be good. And there are some organizations out there that are kind of hoping to be good, but kind of used to being bad or hoping to be good, but expecting to be bad. And you can feel that when you're in the building. And I think that that's also something that, as you mentioned, with free agents or what have you, is you can feel the fact that even though there have been struggles, this is an organization that expects greatness. It's one that we all hope will be great in 2021 as well. Madeline, you brought up just your time with the Giants. I mean, you've worked around some interesting individuals like Eli Manning and some other characters that the Giants have had since you joined the SWAT back in 2016. Do you have any funny stories from behind the scenes that you could actually share with the listeners? Oh, man. Well, I mean, it's interesting, too, because, uh, you know, as you guys mentioned, too, the cafeteria, you walk in and it's just like such an open organization. My desk, I don't have a desk when I go there. I usually, 
outside of the COVID year when things were so separated by tiers, I usually just sit at a table in the cafeteria with my laptop and do my work there um, in between practice and, and interviews and what have you. So it is a very collaborative space. And, you know, players will come up and there's a lot of just kind of casual conversation, just how's it going, what have you, because it's so interactive in that kind of lunchroom, essentially. Um, but you mentioned Eli Manning, too, and I think it's just so fascinating that now that he's retired, he's finally starting to show the world his personality, because this is the Eli that we've all known and we've all seen, and this is the guy who, you know, would take his teammate's phone and switch the language to Russian as a practical joke, and or uh, a guy would bring his dry cleaning and would steal his Eli would hide his pants in some other room in the organization. I, I don't know where they are. I mean, he's such a prankster and such a practical joker. But because he also understands the weight of his role and as the quarterback in the face of the Giants, he didn't really show that to the public while he was playing. And now that he's on, you know, retired, he's on social media tweeting about sloppy joes and what have you. Um, I'm glad that he's finally starting to show people who he really is. And a lot of people are surprised, like, wait, what? Eli is funny? But this man is hilarious, and I'm glad people are finally starting to see it. Yeah, he's really getting involved on, on Twitter. I like the little back and forth he has with Tom Brady every oh. now and then. I saw something today where, and again, we're recording this on a Monday just after uh, the PGA, but where he, Phil Mickelson was tweeting, at, yeah, let's run it back, Tom. And, and Eli's like, I'm ready. <laughs> ready to go against Tom again. So that was great. Um, before we let you go, Madeline, I wanted to ask if you had any expectations for the Giants in 2021. This is kind of the big build-up season. I feel like they've dipped into future salary cap space to put players on the field they feel that they can surround Daniel Jones with to really bring out the best in him. Do you have expectations for 2021? I think, you know, I'm expecting this team to put a quality product on the field, especially, you know, coming off of last year, I think they outperformed expectations considering how much of an uphill battle it was. Losing Saquon at that point early on in the season, um, the amount of injuries that they dealt with. Daniel Jones had some injury issues and just the first season with a new coaching staff, a new system in the midst of a global pandemic seemed like nobody wanted to win the NFC East. It was a tough one. But coming off of that, I think this organization has done a very good job of bringing in the pieces to give Daniel Jones the best opportunity to succeed. And he's in his second year in the system now, his third year as a pro. Uh, he's getting comfortable with, I mean, he's, he is comfortable with the organization. I think the fact that, you know, Saquon Barkley will be healthy, but he will not be the clear focus of this offense. And I think that was an issue in years past, right? I mean, defenses could hone in on just stopping Saquon and the Giants would struggle to get anything going offensively because they didn't have a clear wide receiver one. I mean, Shep is a, is a slot guy. You've got uh, Darius Slayton, who's a great speed guy, but he can't win when there's you know double coverage on him. And you need to have more uh, options there. And so I think the Giants have brought in a lot of great weapons for Daniel Jones, get that offense shored up. I think the defense is going to kind of pick up where they left off last year. It's you know, tough watching Dalvin Tomlinson leave, um, but I'm happy for him in that new deal that he got. Um, and I think, you know, they did a lot of good work in the draft, and I think that they're just kind of changing their approach a little bit to say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to zero in and focus on exactly what we need to do to put our players in the best position to succeed. And and that's, you know, another thing, too, that I credit to Joe Judge. He's a coach that isn't going to say, this is my system fit into it. He's going to look at his players and say, okay, here are their strengths. 
how can we build our system around it? How can we adjust our system to help Darius Tony thrive and to kind of bring out what we saw in him in Florida, help Daniel Jones thrive, help, you know, Saquon Barkley have a lot less pressure and more room to run? How can we uh, create an environment that our players can succeed? And I think that the fact that him and this entire coaching staff prioritizes that is going to make room for some uh, exciting Giants football, and, you know, we've got the schedule out. I'm, like, already, like, circling week one. I, I, you know, you think about, like, okay, which game are you most excited about? All of them. I cannot wait. Um, I don't know. Just talking about this right now, I'm just getting gassed up. I'm like, why is it still May? <laughs> we got it, – it is it is really exciting time. I mean, it's still May, so we got to temper our expectations just quite a little bit. But we still got that little six-month period before camp begins. But, yeah, you're right. I would say, though, is there any scheme on this schedule that you're really looking forward to? Like, for me, it's that Tampa Bay Buccaneers Monday night game. I really feel like the Giants were super close to beating the Super Bowl champions last year. If they had a few plays go a little bit differently – um, I feel like they actually would have won that game. So that's the one for me. Do you have any games specifically that you're just like, I can't wait to see the Giants play that team? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that one I think is going to be a great one because, as you mentioned, and that's the thing, too, last year, if you look at the Giants' record, you know, a lot of those losses were so close. And really there were only – I mean, that San Francisco game, which shouldn't have been that much of a blow-up playing against San Francisco's third string – uh, was really the biggest loss, but everything else, the Giants were in it. So I think they're going to be competitive once again this year. Um, but I am, I mean, I'm looking forward to, gosh, there's so many. I mean, week one, obviously, September starting at home. I was surprised, just like anyone, that we didn't have a, a division opponent at home to start. And like the Cowboys. end of the season, though, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Cowboys or the Eagles, I thought it would be, but it's um, it's Denver. And you got Washington week two on Thursday night football. But I think the end of the season, as it's starting to wind down, you got the Cowboys and the Eagles back-to-back in late December. I think those two games are really going to matter for division uh, purposes. And um, I think it's just going to be – and then, you know, you got the Bears, too, January 2nd. The Bears, of course, traded up with the Giants – to get that uh, number 11 pick. Um, and if the Bears don't do well this season, the Giants have their first-round pick next year. So there's a real chance the Giants could be a playoff team and have a top 10 or top 5, depending on the, how the Bears fare this year, draft picks. So, um, gosh, there's just a lot of games that I'm looking forward to. And it's going to be a fun year. But, again, this is the time of year that everything is roses. Everything looks great. And if this team can stay healthy and kind of be who we think they are, um, then the sky's the limit. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on with that. I would, I would ask Nick to really weigh in on this to see, if, you know, we're both too optimistic, but I really feel like this is the best roster they've had since, at, at minimum, that 2016 season. Oh, it's, it's obvious that it is. I mean, because yeah. it has not been pretty whatsoever, the roster. And now you have, you brought, you spent big in free agency. You had a solid draft in 2020. You had a solid draft this year, ostensibly, hopefully, that ends up materializing on the football field. But there's a lot of reason to be excited, but we have to watch it play out on Sundays now. For sure, without a doubt. Yeah. But Madeline, thank you so much for taking this time to join us on the on the Big Blue Banter podcast. Before you go, I want to let everyone know they can follow Madeline at Madeline Burke. That's just straight up her name. She's got no NFL, no Giants, nothing behind it. So it's easy find on Twitter, which I respect. <laughs> and obviously, for anybody who is not aware, she's Giants postgame reporter. So you can watch her on the postgame shows. Those are also excellent. And me and Nick pretty much don't miss a single one of those or training camp lab. So we'll be watching a lot of you this summer, Madeline. 
Well, thank you so much. Hopefully, we give you a good product to uh, to watch and enjoy. And um, looking forward to getting the season started. And thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, it was a great time, Adam. Thanks again for joining us. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.